Good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Good? Everyone doing all right? Happy New Year. Sorry for the mix-up last week. We, uh, we thought we had the venue. The team came to set up, and then uh, we realized we didn't have the venue. And so it was a very last-minute, like, Oh, we had everybody here, all the equipment was here, and we were ready to go, and we couldn't get into the doors. And so we tried to get, let everybody know as soon as we could. Uh, thank you for just extending your grace to the team. Um, and yeah, it's definitely something that we sh should have caught in our scheduling, but we somehow it kind of, we missed it. And so, but it's good to see all of you guys here today. It's good to see... Uh, that we're in the new year, 2024, yeah. I had this awesome sermon last week, and I didn't, I mean, we're, we're not going to be able to hear it anymore now. <laughs> but today, uh, we set our preaching schedule pretty far in advance, and uh, we're starting a new series called The Fruit of the Spirit, and it's about becoming more like Jesus. And the reason why we're going to, I mean, they're just like, well, just push everything back a week. I'm like, I can't because I set everything up and this ends right at, Christ at Easter. And so, like, my schedule is very, like, curated. And so I'm just like, I'm not one of those people that like to change those things. So I'm just like, we're just going to skip last week's sermon. Is that okay? <laughs> it was an awesome one, though. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we just finished off our series in Romans, and in Romans we really looked at collectively what, who we are as a church. And now that we've established who we are as a church, one of the things that we want to establish is who are, we, who are we as disciples? What is our purpose? What, are we, what do we exist for? What does this church exist for? And so we're going to go through what we call the fruit of the Spirit, and a lot of you probably know what the fruit of the Spirit is. One of the things about being raised in a Christian family is you go to Sunday school, and in Sunday school you learn songs. And how I remember the fruit of the Spirit is there's a song, this is going to date me, okay? But it goes, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control, these are the Spirit of God. You'll find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. That's how I know where you can find it, too. <laughs> right? Does anybody know that song? <laughs> I have, like, Caleb, who's my fellow prairie kid. Uh, this is a prairie thing? Oh, no. Not only did I date myself, I disclosed where I was born and raised. But with that being said, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desire, and if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so for those of us that's been part of the church, these are this is a familiar verse, these are familiar things. 
So we'll be taking the next couple months up till Easter to look at each characteristic, but today I wanted to first set the stage or lay down the premise in where all of this comes from. And so let's open up in prayer as we step into this new series. Father, we come before you as your church to hear from you and to learn from your word. And Father, we ask that as we read this passage that your spirit gives us life to live out your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So Lord, we come to you in worship of who you are and we ask for your grace and your mercy as we live it out as a church. So we come together today in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Paul gives us these qualities and attributes that should be evident in the lives of Christians. And it's produced by the Holy Spirit within our believers. So as Paul writes this, we see that in verse that in verse 25 it starts, but with what that we, we, we see these verses in verse 22, but what these means comes from the verses before that. So we have to look higher up in the, in, the, in the verses. So we start in verse 16. Paul says this, that the Holy Spirit will guide you. Then you won't be doing what, sin, what your sinful nature craves, right? So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be jumping a little bit around between verse 16 and all the way down to the end of chapter 5. But one of the things that we have to look at is what does it mean for us to have the fruit of the Spirit? You see, in verse 22, it starts with the word but, right? But means that there's something that comes before that. But means that there's something that we need to look into before these verses. And so when we look into it, we need to know, okay, how far back do I need to go? So we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1, the first page of the Bible. Uh, no, I'm serious. Uh, I'm not going to preach through the whole thing. Don't worry about that. But we do need to go back to the beginning, to when God created the heaven and the earth. We need to go back to the beginning because we need to understand the intentions of God in terms of why humanity was put in place. Why do we exist? What is the purpose of our existence here on earth? So we go back to Genesis. We find that God's the creator, the creator of the universe, and everything that is in it created man out of his own image. Out of all of creation, this is the only thing Human beings were created in God's image. We are the only thing that reflect who God is. Therefore, we are called the image bearers of Christ. We are the image bearers of God. We are the image bearers of our creator, and therefore we represent God's glory here on earth. That's, our, that's the intentions of our existence. We exist because we are to be God's glory here on earth. However, 
when God created us, if we look back to the Eden story, we see Adam and Eve, a perfect human being, the only perfect human being to ever walk this earth. They decided that instead of bearing God's image, we want to bear our own image. That's what the sin was about. Sin that came into the world wasn't something that was that we see in terms of murder or like envy or all the sins that we know that are out there. Because the root of all sin is that we want to bear our own image. That was the first sin. That was the moment in which brokenness entered into the world. When we look at sin, sin is basically the failure of living. We're missing the mark or that we're out of aligned with God's purpose. And it's a violation of God's intended order for creation. Sinful nature is doing things on ourself, by, our, by our own desires. Sin, therefore, is no longer being an image barrier, bearer and that humanity has missed the mark. You know the Greek word for sin? It comes from an archery term. It means that we miss the mark. And so when we, we look at this, we need to understand that this was the beginning. That there was this intentionality with God and that God's intentions was to always have this relationship with mankind. If we read in Genesis 1, we see that God actually walked the earth with Adam and Eve. He walked in the garden. His presence was with them. He was there with them and his intentions was always to be with mankind. But because we chose when men chose that we're going to bear our own image, that broke that relationship. Because we're no longer bearing the glory of God. And so this is what we call in the Bible and in Christianese and Christian term in the church, the flesh. Okay? And so what is the flesh? And so we need to look at Galatians chapter 19, it says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, okay? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what comes before the but, the fruit of the Spirit. Paul distinctly and intentionally writes these two things side by side to contrast each other. Because the reality is that our flesh, the things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit will constantly be going against each other. And so Paul writes this out and lets us know that these are the things of the flesh and these are the things of the spirit and these are very, very different things. When we look at things of this, the flesh, we're talking about the sins. These are the things that we desire. These are the things that we, if we look at sin, oftentimes it's about how we feel. It's how I feel and how I want to do things and my preferences 
Like I said, the sin was that we wanted to bear our own image, not the image of God. And so the things of the flesh are always going to be driven by our own desires. They're always going to be driven by what we want to do. Think about the last time you sinned. If you really think about why you did it, probably it's because you were selfish. Probably because you were thinking about yourself. Probably because it was at your best interest. What this contrast does is it drives home what repentance looks like. You see, what repentance literally means, it means just to turn around. Repentance means that we're, instead of following ourselves, we follow somebody else. Instead of going our own way, we turn back to God's original intent. What did God create us to be? Image bearers. The flesh is not being an image bearer of God, but an image bearer of ourselves. So to turn around means that we go back to becoming image bearers of God. This contrast shows us what it means to follow Jesus, what God's intention was for us. God's intention for mankind was always to have a relationship. But because of the brokenness of sin, God then had to put a plan in for the salvation of this world. He started with the covenant of Abraham. Then he established his laws through Moses and the Ten Commandments. And then it all came finally reconciling all things through sending his son Jesus into this world. God's always been intentional to have a relationship, but also his plan was always to walk with humanity. What we have to understand and why we have to understand is that the whole biblical picture of the whole biblical narrative, the story, all fits together. That everything that is spoken in the Old Testament is about the New Testament. And everybody, everything in the New Testament is about the Old Testament. And that there is a biblical narrative of redemption in both the Old and the New Testament. And so we have to understand that we all fit into this bigger biblical picture of God so loved the world. That God always wanted to have a relationship with humanity. That God always wanted to walk with us. That God always wanted this personal relationship. And so when he sent Jesus into the world, it was him literally walking out on earth. But when Jesus walked on earth, it wasn't just the fact that he, he had to take on human form, 
but he was using this life of Jesus, his son, to show us what original intent is about. Jesus is the ultimate image bearer of God for all of humanity to see. That's why we focus on the person of Jesus. As a church, we focus on the person of Jesus because through Jesus, we see what God's original intent for us is. The way that Jesus lived and the things that Jesus did is how God created us to be. And so God said, here's my son, follow him. Here's my son, imitate him. Here's my son, be more like him. When Jesus walked the earth, he showed us a new kingdom. He showed us that there is something different for us to live, and we talk about this thing in church called kingdom culture, and oftentimes people are just like, okay, we, we hear this kingdom culture, it's, it's Christianese, right? But do we fully know what kingdom culture is about? Kingdom culture literally is living the kingdom of heaven on earth. Jesus teaches us how to pray. He says, thy kingdom come, thy what? will be done on as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus came, he, what he established when he came to live and die and resurrected from the cross, what Jesus did was he created something which we call new creation. In theological terms, we call this new creation because Jesus came to establish something new. He established what was broken when we fail to be image bearers of, Christ, uh, of, of God, that broke our relationship with, with God. That broke away what God's original intention was. So God put in, in, in plan this action plan of I'm going to send my son, I'm going to redeem all these things, I'm going to save all these things, I'm going to make all things right, I'm going to make all things new. And that's what Jesus came to do. And so when we talk about walking out in kingdom culture is exactly what Jesus did on earth. Kingdom culture is living like Jesus. Kingdom culture is Jesus saying, I am now bridging that gap. That there is no longer heaven and earth separation. That we now are able to live what is in heaven. Right? We pray this, but do we actually understand this? Good news, after this series, we're going to the Lord's Prayer. So, <laughs> you see, everything connects, right? But that's what kingdom culture is about. Jesus teaches us that we are able, because of what I'm doing on the cross, what I did on the cross, that we now get to live the things of heaven here on earth, that we get to experience the things of heaven here on earth, that in the brokenness, there is new creation. In the brokenness, there is newness of life. God said, for God so loved what? The world that he gave his only son to do what? To save it. Save it from what? Save us from the brokenness of sin. Salvation is about God saving 
his creation. God so loved the world that he wants to save it. Yes, things are broken. Yes, things are done. God could have said, okay, that's it. We're done. But no, he so loved this creation that he says, I am going to save it. Salvation isn't us living our life here and then us going to heaven. Salvation is God saying, I have come to save you so that you're able to live what is in heaven here on earth. That's what salvation is. If we look at salvation as just we believe in Jesus and Jesus takes us away, then what are we doing here? What is our purpose? What is the mission for us as a church? There is no purpose. Because if we live salvation as we just need to save ourselves so that we go to God one day and we're away from this place, there is no purpose for the church. But we understand, what we don't understand is that God said, I am here to save the world and I sent my son to do that so now you get to live heaven on earth. And when we do that, what we're participating here as a church is heaven on earth. Does that make sense? The entire purpose of the church is for the world to see God's glory through his people. It's going back to that place of being image bearers of God. It's going to that place of saying, this is who God created me to be. And I'm going to fully live that out. You see, when we see salvation in that way, it gives us purpose. When we see salvation in a way where we're not waiting to live out heaven. That we're able to live heaven now. That we get to experience heaven now. That we get to experience God now. That we get to experience his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control now. That's heaven on earth. We pray on earth as it is in heaven. Do we live on earth as it is in heaven. Do we do that? Or are we just waiting for one day for us to go to heaven instead of saying, heaven is here with me because God's presence is here with me? What are we saying? What are, the, the, the way that we live communicates to people what we believe in, right? As Christians, are we living in a way that communicates to people that we have access to a God, to God our creator, that we live with God the creator, that we live in this kingdom culture, that no matter what happens around the world, that we have this sovereign God that knows exactly what we need and we're able to live in this place because God has sent us his spirit. Now that takes me to my next point of what is living with the Spirit. We talk about this being filled with the Spirit, living with the Spirit. What does that, all that mean? Right? Sometimes it's confusing. There's the Holy Spirit that's out there. As a kid, we grew up calling him the Holy Ghost, which is kind of scary. Right? Like, why are you calling that this, this, this thing a ghost? Ghosts are supposed to be scary. 
But this is just all church, church, what do you call it? Language? Vernacular. Thank you. <laughs> Great word. Church vernacular. Sometimes church vernacular actually hinders us from knowing more of the Bible. But it also brings us closer, so mm, it works both ways. What is being living in the Spirit? Living in the Spirit is something where in Ezekiel 36, 26, it says this. It says, the Lord declares, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. This is how kingdom culture is lived out. Okay? God's promise is for us to live out thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that requires a new heart and a new spirit. And that new heart and that new spirit can only be given to you by God. God's heart, and I can't emphasize this more, God's heart is always for humanity. And it was always for his creation to be in right relationship with him. And so God said, I'm going to give you, first I'm going to give you my son, right? So you have an example. But also, my son is what pays the price of sin. So I need to give him that. And then in John 15, 26, Jesus actually talks about this. Before he goes to heaven, he says, I will send you a helper from the Father. The helper is a spirit of truth who comes from the Father. So what Jesus did is as he was saying, I'm leaving, but there's something that is greater that is coming, greater than me. It's my Father's spirit. Is that you get to live in the presence of God all the time now. Jesus understood, I'm, I'm, I'm human. You can't, not everybody has access to me, right? I'm only one person. Not everybody is able to, 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 to come near me. I'm, and Jesus, as a human being, he's limited by the physiology of the human that he can't be everywhere else. And so he says that there's something that's greater that's coming, that's God's spirit. It's his helper. One of the things that Jesus understood is that Humanity can't do this on our own, right? We can't do this Christian living on our own. Jesus understood that. Jesus even told his disciples, it's impossible for you to live this out. But it's possible through me. It's possible through my Father. It's possible if you choose to live with me. It's possible if my Spirit is there for you. When we decide to say, I will follow Jesus, the Spirit of God is able to come and rest in your spirit. It comes and it helps you. It comes and it says, this is the new spirit that is coming into you. This helper, this ability to live out what we in the church called a transformed life. We talk about transformation, but sometimes when we talk about transformation as a church, it, all, it almost comes off as 
we need to transform ourselves, so we need to try our best to do our best in living things out right. Right? Does that make sense? That we need to work so hard to, to not do A, B, C, and that we need to do one, two, three. But I promise you, if you try to do it by yourself, you'll always fail. 100% of the time. You might sort of get there, but you will fail at it every single time because it's only in the Spirit of God that we're able to do this. So how do we do this? Let's go back to verse 16. It tells us that we need to walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out what is sinful, what the sinful flesh desires. That's what verse 16 says. And it talks about how the flesh and the Spirit continually oppose each, each other. So how do we know that we're walking by the Spirit? We know that we're walking by the Spirit when our desires are for the things of God. That we love others. That we have joy in hard times. That we fight for peace and that we have peace. That we are patient with, with our spouses and with our kids. With patience with others, even when they don't deserve it. That we have goodness and we're generous in what we have. That we have the faith and trusting and knowing that God knows what you need. That you are gentle to one another. That you have self-control. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when we're walking out the Spirit of God. It's not that we have some of these things and not all of these things. Because if we look at it, it's just fruit of the Spirit, not fruits of the Spirit. It's not a plural thing, it's one thing. That when you have the Spirit, you have all of these things. That all of these things come from authentic Christian living, of following Jesus every single day. Of course, there's grace. We all miss the mark. We all sin. We all lose our joy, our peace, our love, our patience. But when we lose those things, those are our cues to repent. Those are our cues to turn back around and say, oh, Jesus, I don't have you today. Those are the cues for us to say, Lord, I need you more in this moment. Those are the cues for us to say, I don't have joy today, so I need you, Jesus. I don't feel a peace in my spirit, so I need you, Lord. I don't have patience with my husband today. God, change him or change me, right? I have patience with my kids today. Take them away. No, kidding. I love my kids. I can't exert self-control. I need you, Jesus. 
I'm not gentle. Father, give me grace. All of those moments are moments for us to repent. Opportunities for you to repent. Don't see it as, oh, I've, I've done something wrong. Right? Because there's grace. God sent his son Jesus to forgive you of those sins. That's a new covenant. But use those moments of sin, missing the mark, to always go to repentance. And say, I am working out of my flesh, but I need Jesus more now. Try that. When you're in your commute to work this week, whether someone cuts you off or someone on the bus is being gnarly, instead of looking at that person and saying, oh, beep, 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 beep. You say, Jesus, I don't have the patience right now with that person. So that shows that I need you right now. When you're walking down the street and you see someone that is in need, sometimes we just walk right, right on by. And instead of that saying, okay, I walked on by, then repent, turn around, walk back to them. How could I love that person? How could I show Jesus compassion and kindness unto that person? When you have to deal with a coworker this week and it's hard, we have we all have those coworkers, right? Yeah. For those that are retired, oh, it's like, oh yeah, I'm living a free life now. Oh, good for you. But for those that are working. What does it mean to extend peace to them? What does it mean to have peace with them in that relationship? Maybe that's family for you. Maybe that's friends. What does it mean to find peace with each other? All of those things is us living the Spirit of God out for the world to see that we are image bearers of God himself. That we have all of these things because these things are the characteristics of God and it is our privilege to be able to be an image bearer and say this is God's glory. It's not me. But this is God's glory. This is what discipleship in kingdom culture looks like. It's being filled with the Spirit to walk out the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. God calls the church to live out the kingdom of God to earth. And what it looks like is walking out the characteristics of God, the miracles of God. And then we get to become image bearers of who God is. 
But did I tell you already that you can't do it on yourself? That's why every single day we need to align ourselves to Jesus. Every single day you have to say, I will follow you, Jesus. Every single day we have to say, thy will be done. Salvation is not just about us being taken to heaven. It's not about us leaving. It's about us living. It's about us living the kingdom of God here on earth today. It is saying, I will walk out the love that you walked out. I will walk out the peace that you walked out. I will live out the joy, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control. You get it? Church, do you get it? And Jesus says this. John 15:5 I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Oh, it's funny how the Bible works, huh? You'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we remain in Jesus, you will bear fruit. You will live out kingdom culture. But you need to remain in him. So here's my weak attempt in putting into contemporary terms, okay? For all you young people out there. Imagine if you were a smartphone. What does a smartphone need in order to work? To turn on, to use the apps, to actually function. It needs power. Smartphones run on what? Batteries. Imagine your life just running on the battery, eventually it'll just, what? Run out. And then you have to plug it in again and get recharged. Right? And then now we have power again. Oftentimes, as Christians and as followers of Jesus, that's how we live our life. We plug into Jesus and we plug into God only when we need it. But imagine if we were permanently plugged into the source that gives us power. Imagine if we are constantly connected to the Spirit of God that allows us to not have to worry about, oh, I only have 5% left today. Because when you're at 5%, you're panicking, right? Especially if it's 5% at 4 o'clock. I know you all know what I'm talking about. You're like, I didn't bring out my backup battery today. There's a panic. But imagine you don't need to think about that anymore. If you have access to a full-time power source, that God's able to, be, to give you what you need to function every single day. I know it's a weak little 
analogy, but I was looking at the young people and he's like, how do I relate to the young people? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm entering into middle age, Dan. But here's the, the last thing I'm going to end off with. That we're called to do this together as a church. That this isn't something that we walk out by ourselves. And this includes, this includes me. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you. But over the next couple months here, we're going to unpack each and every one of these characteristics. But all of these characteristics requires us to come back to this place today where we need to do this with Jesus and we need to do this with our community. So together, as a community, I want us to walk with Jesus together, to go deeper in love with who Jesus is. Philippians 4 tells us to set our prize, right, our goal, we just went through New Year's. Some of you guys made New Year's resolutions, right? And we set a goal. But let's add to that New Year's resolution. Let's set our goal as Jesus. Together as a church. And say, Jesus, we want to grow deeper in love with you. Jesus, we want to learn from you more. We want to be like you more. We want to hold on to your characteristics more. together as we emulate Jesus as a church it's so that when the world interacts with the church they see the glory of God that we as people are the instruments of God's grace that embodies God's love in a way that not only transforms us but begins to transform the world around us Father God, we thank you. First and foremost, for your grace and your mercy. But Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for humanity. That you didn't abandon us, but you came and you rescued us. That you came and you saved us. But not only that you saved us, but you're giving us a new beginning. So, Lord, as new creations, we come before you asking for your spirit to help us hold on to your characteristics more, to become image bearers of who you are. So, Father, we need your help. We need your grace. We need your love. We need your joy. We need your peace, your patience, your kindness, your goodness, your faithfulness, your gentleness, and we need self-control. May you continue to pour into us. May you continue to reveal more of who you are to us. And may we as a community become image bearers so that your glory be seen. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I just love 
what John brought to us this week. And, you know, I, I love the analogy of us being batteries because I think that speaks just so truly how we approach God. You know, we, we get charged and maybe it's our morning prayer and then we try to run through the next day to the next morning. Maybe we, we have enough battery that we can run Sunday to Sunday. But if we think of these fruit as, uh, as finite resources, we're going to fail. You know, there's, there's that classic joke about, I have lots of patience because I've never used any. And if we, and if we think of these gifts like that, we're, we're going to fail because they are not finite. There is no limit to them because they come from the Spirit. This is what Jesus was saying when he says there's one coming that is going to be greater and he's going to be your helper. It's because there is, no, there is no end to God. There is no end to his spirit. You know, the song says we could, we'll worship for 10,000 years and it'll be just like we just started. You know, we, we lose track of what infinity and, and what infiniteness means. We, we lose track of how big God is. We, we think in these batteries that charge up and down, and we ask God for bigger batteries, and, and, and absolutely, we need bigger batteries. We, we want to get our batteries to the point where we go days and weeks and we never drop below 95%. But I don't think we do that by charging up once. I think we do that because throughout our day, we are constantly in touch and constantly charging with the Lord. You know, the latest and greatest thing is going to be power through the air. Your phones will get charged because it's just receiving power. kind of freaks me out. It feels like I'm in a microwave, but I'll go with it when they say it's safe. But the point is, is that this is what we need to treat God like. Every breath in is a moment to pray and thank him for who he is. It's a moment to ask for patience, for grace, kindness. But most of all, it's, it's a moment to ask for love. You know, it, it's amazing how many times you hear from people like, I don't have enough capacity to love more people. Well, that's because you're doing it in your love. Go do it through Jesus' love, and I promise it will never run out. You will, you will never realize how well to love your wife until you love Jesus first. You think you love your kids? Go love Jesus first, and I promise it will be multiplied at least a hundredfold because he knows what love is. He went to the cross for us. And when we go to him and we say, teach us, grow in us, show us how to keep our charge up, it, it, he's, he's doing a happy dance. This is what he wants. This is what he desires is that relationship. And a relationship doesn't happen by talking once a week or for 20 minutes in a morning. Relationships happen because we share our days and our lives with each other. That's what forms a community, right? I mean, everyone in this room can say at one point, man, I survived the move from Columbia, right? It, be, it builds community because we shared an event and a, and a thing together. And this is what Jesus wants in us. He wants to share every one of those moments, the dark ones, the bad ones, the happy ones, the joyful ones. And he wants to grow in us in every one of those moments so that we have bigger and better capacity to go love more and more of the people that he loves. 
So, Lord, we just declare we love you. Lord, we love you with everything we have, and it's still not enough. So, Lord, grow in us. Stretch us. Bring us to a new understanding of how to love you so, again, we can go out and love on others, Lord, because this is your great desire. Lord, these are the fruits of your spirit. These are the things that come out of us when we are walking in your ways. And so, Lord, we so desire to show a world love and patience and kindness and understanding and self-control and joy. Lord, we want a world to understand what true, lasting, real joy is. Because, Lord, all those other things, those things of the flesh, fall away when we find contentment and joy in you. So, Lord, we just lift this before you this morning. We thank you for your presence here. We just thank you for this place that we can gather. We thank you for this community that we can pray and support each other. And, Lord, we just pray that you would just bless us this week as we go forth. Amen.